As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we are talking about the Donnie Darko canon. We're going into the movies that have been made. We're talking about projects that have been canceled and also taking a look at the very strange future of this weird franchise. Today, we are back, back, back again with returning guest judge, Sheree Bohannon. How's it going? It's going great. Happy to be back on my not podcast. That is my podcast. Um, It feels right. (laughs) Sheree, for people that may not remember you because they've they're like a coconut fell out of the sky um <laughs> can you reintroduce yourself to the development hell audience yes i am sheree i bother josh at dread central i mostly write streaming guides and about himbos and hotties on netflix and things because i have a certain set of skills um <laughs> I'm also a podcaster. For, I'm one half of A Nightmare on Fear Street and one third of Blurry Massacre. And I think one twelfth ish of the Alter Tapes now. And I am also just Drunk Girl Shenanigans on Twitter. So yeah. Today we're, as I was saying, heading back into Donnie Darko territory. I, it was planned once we figured out it was planned, yes. Um, mm. Welcome to our PCU, y'all. Podcast Cinematic Universe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Is this phase one? It is. And next time we'll pick something that has a better sequel. Yeah, this sequel was what I would say terrible. But it's something I've always wanted to watch. Is that something that you have ever thought once in your life? I'm a finisher. I always wanted to watch it, even though I knew it wasn't going to be great. I didn't know it would be this bad. But I knew it wasn't going to be great. But I still was like, I'm going to do it. And to be fair, it feels right that we watched it in this decade where everything else is wrong. (laughs) Yes, it's very to theme of everything being terrible right now. It's the sequel 2020 wanted us to have. But S. Darko isn't all that there is. There's also the incredible Donnie Darko that we're going to dig a little bit into. And the oogie boogie spooky future of the Donnie Darko franchise. So, Sheree, how would you feel if I was to give a little bit of a seminar on the original Donnie Darko? 
I would love to go back to that time where Jake Gyllenhaal showered as far as we knew. Please take me. He doesn't need to, in my opinion. So, (laughs) (laughs) back, back, back in the year 2001, we got the cult classic release of Donnie Darko. Anyone that is a millennial will remember the very impact of this strange little sci-fi feature. It was directed by Mr. Richard Kelly, who went on to direct such classics as Southland Tales and The Box. And then it was also produced by Flower Films, Drew Barrymore's production company. The movie itself stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Maloney, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Drew Barrymore, Mary Mc... Oh my god, I'm gonna have an absolute meltdown. Mary McDonald, Catherine Ross, Patrick Swayze, Noah Wiles, Stu Stone, Devia Chase, and James Duvall. My friend, my accomplice, would you be able to do me a favor and like, in your own words, gun to your head, what was this movie about? Oh no. Um... Donnie Darko is an emotionally unstable teenager. Don't read from the don't, don't read from the oh, outline. No, you did right then. Don't you read did from right the then. outline. I said emotionally unstable. You have emotionally troubled. So like, <laughs> <laughs> why are we the same person? I don't know. No, I really um, want to like what happens when you just like look in your heart and you have to decide what this movie that is about nothing is about. So yeah, he's an emotionally. <laughs> Unstable teenager in the suburbs, um, and he he has an imaginary friend who's telling him he's gonna die, the world's gonna end if he doesn't die, but he's not high, and that's concerning. <laughs> that <is a> <laughs> And um, he does a bunch of great deeds after he almost dies the first time. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that all of his great deeds are not really necessary because he needs to go back in time and die so his family and the world will go on. Um, right, right. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure I understand it even though I love it. But I am dedicated to Sparkle Motion and that's what really matters. I think you did a really good job describing this movie that is in some level indescribable. I think we're dealing with themes like, you know, interdimensions and time travel and teenage boys, you know, things that just go hand in hand. The movie was made for about $7.5 million. Nope. This movie was made for about four point. Nope. This movie was made for about $4.5 million and grossed about $7.5 million at the box office. So it made a little bit of money. But the more important factor here is that it would go on to be like, a true cult classic of its time in creating big movie stars out of Jake Gyllenhaal and Jenna Malone. Uh, What are our personal relationships with this film? Like, what was it like with you encountering it for the first time back as a teen? So I watched it when I was in community college because one of my friends couldn't believe I'd never seen it before because it was weird and I was weird. Well, I still am weird. Mm-hmm. And so watching, I'm like, oh my God, this is art. <laughs> and I immediately watched it like nine other times. And then I was like, I still understand it, but I still love it. Um, also, I was very thirsty about Mr. J. Jalen Hall. So that might be why I loved it a little bit while I was trying to figure out what it meant. Um, <laughs> I, yes, yeah, I'm, I, I'm shallow. And no, yeah, he, I don't have that many Hollywood crushes, but Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie, or even Jake Gyllenhaal of around this time is one of, like, my biggest ones. I wouldn't Listen. say that, yeah, yeah. You know what was even bigger for me? Was he, oh no, it was Tobey Maguire that was in the Cider House Rules. That you, was a turning moment for me. 
You're the only person I know who's seen the Cider House Rules. I watched as a kid because Tobey Maguire was there, and I was like, I don't know what I saw. I have to rewatch that and just be so horny for that movie. I hope that he's an adult in it, so I'm not going to go to jail. I I don't because he's older than me is what I tell myself. I don't ask questions because I find these things, and I'm like, I remember being into him, and I need him to stay older than me. Um, <laughs> are we allowed to have crushes on characters that were older than us when we first encountered them, but are now like, you know, we on have the to. Devin Sawa was Casper, so we don't have a choice. Okay, good. My personal relationship with this movie was I was an average thirteen-year-old boy, and there was just something about being like a preteen boy when this came out, where it was just. I don't know, ubiquitous. Like it it really disrupted so many of our worldviews and went to show that like it was correct me if you think I'm not wrong right about this, but it was kind of like um like philo- f- philosophy for dummies kind of. Yeah, cuz a lot look again, I found this when I was community college. I taken one philosophy class and I was like, oh, whoa, this is trying to blow my mind. But well, my mind can't be blown anymore because, like, life is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just going to watch like, Gyllenhaal almost jack off on his therapist's couch and wonder what would have happened if she just let him work. Yeah. I was anti that therapist, but we can talk about that a little bit more down the line. She's not the best. <laughs> so Jake G in this movie, other than his weird hair, which kind of looked like uh, a wig, but I'm sure it wasn't. I needed to be a wig because it was real bad. Did it seem like a wig to you? I tell myself that, but I because he Jake Gyllenhaal, he might have just been like, yeah, come in forward, I'll just be this way for four months. It's kind of what a lot of boy hair was, though, in, like, the early 2000s, and I blame the Harry Potter movie series. It was it was bedhead with also, I've smoked too much, with also, I maybe don't shower. Mm-hmm. Or, I, or I showered the second before I went to bed and didn't dry my hair. Yes. It's, to go back to Devin Sawa, because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much his hair energy and idle hands. Uh, Drew Barrymore, speaking <laughs> of hot. So, I mean, we've talked about this, and I think maybe we've had different opinions in the past. But I find her in this movie to be, like, stunning, stunnelitra, scalding, beautiful. Yes. I think it's so they tried to age her up because she's not old enough for the role they gave her. <laughs> and so she's living her best life in these, like, pantsuits. I see, you've said that to me before, and we've had this violent agreement. No, we've had this violent disagreement a number of times. But when I was in grade nine, like, the most important teacher of all time, she was 26. I'm sure she was, but the character they wrote for her to raise more is older than Drake more. Like, I, I oh looked at it, God. I Wikipedia it. She was not 30 when she got this role, and this was an older woman coming out of Drake Moore's face. And oh I was like, my no. God. Um, you could be right, but I'm not looking at it like that. I want to talk about Jenna. Okay, every time I say Jenna Malone, is it Jenna Maloney or Jenna Malone? Jenna Malone. I like both. Um, I think you have Maloney because of 30 Rock. Like, it's <laughs> ingrained in her. <laughs> uh, I love her in this movie, although she's very a certain archetype of the time, and it's not Manic Pixie Dream Girl because it's not quite on that level. But it is definitely this like mysterioso teenage girl written through the male gaze that doesn't completely work. But like, I definitely bought when I was in high school. This was definitely that weird era where they're like, women can have problems too, but also don't talk to them. So yeah. we're just gonna they can have problems, but they really want to have sex with you. 
Because literally, she's like, I think that he came back for my mom and she's missing in her house and torn apart. Get your pants off, Donnie. And I'm like, you know what, girl? Get it when you can. But also, are you not worried about your mom right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, severe trauma, the first thing I do is have sex. So, like, I can't say that's 100% inaccurate. I mean, that's all I would be doing in this decade. So, like, I, I'm going to Oh, yeah. They did, they did not have Pinterest or Discord. So what were they doing? Listen, riding Donnie. wonder what that what that grinder grid looked like in this town. <laughs> uh, it's just, what's his face? Rogan? Not not Joe Rogan. I mean, probably Joe Rogan. <laughs> Who am I trying to talk about? <laughs> the Patrick Swayze character? Or... No, no, the one from Knocked Up. Seth Rogan. Oh, yeah, Seth Rogan. I like yeah. your boobs. <laughs> I like your boobs. With his literal first line, I like your boobs. And I'm like, Seth, good sir. <laughs> so, do you think that the interdimensional time travel bullshit of this movie was built in effectively? Or do you think it was kind of a little bit, um, how do you feel like it, it suited the film? It felt like somebody had an idea for something that was very complicated and they wanted it to go in to this movie, <laughs> even if it didn't necessarily work with the movie. Uh-huh. But I don't it was just confusing because you're like riding along like oh okay this engine failed okay we might have some time travel and then like and then let's explain it to you and it's like what did you just say to me and i'm like the gif of winona Ryder being confused on stage while they're getting an award for your things (laughs) the funniest thing in the world uh i kind of agree with you even though it works so effectively in this film and i completely forgive it if you go and take a look at richard kelly's other filmography items it's kind of like oh yeah are you just being weird and not really saying anything specific and you're like letting me fill in the blanks and if you are that's okay too i don't mind filling in the blanks when it comes to the weird portal cgi chests i still don't totally understand what those were all about can you fill me in I did not like those portals coming from the chest because they look like weird, um, almost predator penises. They did not have a penis vibe to them. Right? And I'm like, so we're all being pulled around by like invisible penises? Because I don't like that narrative. That's very, (laughs) it's very patriarchal. I don't know if I want to be that. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I'm open to thinking. I'm open to brainstorming. I'm open to the brainstorm. (laughs) Gyllenhaal penis, then perhaps I could be swayed, but like, I don't know. I want to see the guest list. Uh, so of course we also have Maggie Gyllenhaal here playing his sister. I think this is before she really broke the bank. Do you think this was a favor, or do you think this is something that she was, like, psyched to do? I think somebody, probably the casting director, was like, I know these two Gyllenhaals are going to be somebody. Let's get them in here. And also confuse all the kids. Because there's like, he's hot and she's hot. Oh, what is happening? Maybe it's just because I'm gay, but I've never really been on the Maggie Gyllenhaal train. I feel like her and her brother look enough alike to where it gets very confusing for those of us who think they know who they are. And then, of course, we've got Devaya Chase, the leader of Sparkle Motion, aka the little dance troupe that's in this film, really piecing it together. And who has a surprising role in the terrible sequel that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sparkle Motion. You know what? They deserve our attention and our time. The only all-girl group I care about anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be kind of an amazing sequel, as if it's like bring up back all the members of Sparkle Motion and like they have to like I don't know survive death or something kind of like <laughs> Final Destination but with Sparkle Motion that's what 
I wanted. I wanted her to be like, oh no, now that we're out here with our dance troupe <laughs> for this competition, regionals, if you're a glee person, <laughs> maybe I, I could stop the world mending if we do it right. That would have been so cute. That would have been so great. It's an 80s movie, and it doesn't really knock you over the head with 80s movie vibes in the way that some period pieces do. Do you think it's an effective period piece? Oh, yeah. I can smell the 80s. I wasn't there for the 80s, but I could smell the 80s in this movie. Yeah, me too. And it was in subtle ways. Like, they're using um, needle drops that aren't needle drops that you're seeing anywhere else, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's an experience. Like... It's like a time bubble. Did you think it was going to hold up when you watched it? I did not. In- I had no faith in it. I was like, it's going to be bad. I don't want it to be bad. I almost changed the movie nine times. <laughs> you remember those. <laughs> That's very classic us. We're like, the day before, we have yet to decide what the topic is. Um, I decided I, you, for Whaley. Do you have time for this? <laughs> I wasn't sure this was going to hold up either. And the first few shots, I was like, uh-oh, spaghetti <laughs> And then the more it goes on, the more you know it wraps you up around its finger and it doesn't necessarily make sense and i don't know if it's really deserving of everything that it's setting up but there's just something about it that really taps into a certain part of our i don't know our adolescent psyches and i'm like still grateful for this movie she is the drag queen that i like but i didn't want to win but she won and i'm not mad sasha velour Yes, mm-hmm. but I was mad because that was Shay season. Um, mm, I would agree. Or even um, Peppermint. Yes, yes, yes. Peppermint for sure. Not Trinity, though. Sorry. No. Um, love you now, Trinity. Perpetual no. final four. Listen. <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I guess that's not true because she did win once. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> 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 uh... Jake Gyllenhaal, Drew Barrymore, Jenna Malone, interdimensional bullshit, time travel, sparkle motion. Uh, Sheree, why do you think people love this movie the way that they do? I think because most of us just have nostalgia for yeah. nostalgia's sake. And so mm. we all saw this when we were youths. And we're like, I remember trying to get sci-fi with it, with Jake Gyllenhaal. And we we have a special place for it. And it, it is a moment. It's not it's not trying to do anything bigger than it is. Like, it's a tiny movie with a big idea for time travel. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, actually. I think it is trying to be bigger than it is. But it kind of allows. It kind of works. But, like, it knows it's lame is the thing. Because, again, it's a tiny movie that happens to be, like, also penis worms are taking you through the future. And it's like, okay, okay, Mr. Kelly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then it goes mm-hmm. right back to being small. Did you and remember then, it being a Halloween movie? No, every time I remember that, I'm shook. Me too, because it doesn't give me Halloween spooky ooky vibes, and that's okay, but like, I just definitely did not remember. No. Like, the sad part is that I'm like, oh yeah, they were in costumes. That that would make sense. (laughs) Yeah, he was in a, he was a skeleton. Right? Because leave it to Donnie to do the least. Ugh, I had this really hot boyfriend, and two years in a row, he was Donnie Darko for Halloween. That was, I have to say, it was hot. And he was one of the, Luckily, we were broken up long before COVID hit, but he was one of the people in Canada where, like, the one province that were like, we don't care about COVID, be free, was Alberta. And, like, all of our idiots pilgrimaged to Alberta, and he was one of them. Oh, no. But he was also really into conspiracy theories, so it makes sense. Am I allowed to talk about this? Can I get sued? I mean, you didn't say any names. His name was Roberta Sparrow. (laughs) 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 
Um, yeah, he was cute. So, any final thoughts on the OG DD? Um, just that it was a delight to see Patrick Swayze because we did not have that much more time with him. Mm-hmm. I found out today he was going to do the sequel, but he was sick, and so he couldn't, and then he died like a month after the movie came out. Oh, was he supposed to be the the priester? Yep. yep. I have so many questions for this movie that we're about to dig into, including was he evil? But a good way to segue into talking about the sequel to Johnny Darko that was, unfortunately, created. So as I said today, we're talking all things Darko. We're talking Johnny Darko, S. Darko, and the future of Darko. And my condolences, but this is the time of the episode where we have to talk about the 2009 direct-to-video sequel, S. Darko. Uh, Sheree, can I give us a, an unfortunate seminar on this unfortunate film? You're going to have to. This movie watched me. I did not watch it. This <laughs> movie absolutely watched me. Uh, S. Darko, directed by Chris Fisher, Shame on You, and starring Devia Chase, once again, from the first movie, Brianna Evigan, and surprise, surprise, Ed Westwick, a.k.a. Chuck from Gossip Girl is, I guess, a direct sequel to the movie that came out eight years prior. In this movie, you're getting to pay more attention to the little sister of Donnie, Samantha Darko. And she, too, is troubled by hallucinations of a doomsday approaching and misses her brother who died under mysterious circumstances Uh, She's sleepwalking, she's hallucinating, she could be time-traveling, and she's in a spooky small town that houses about 10 people. Our good friend Richard Kelly, who brought the first film into the world, was not pleased with this monstrosity. So here's something he said not that long ago. To set the record straight, here are a few facts I'd like to share with y'all. I haven't read this script. I have absolutely no involvement with this production nor will i ever be involved um so yeah he didn't seem like he wanted to get into the mix but chris fisher the director claims to have been a fan of the original film and do you think that's possible after seeing what he ended up creating he never watched that movie because he did not understand what it was about No, he absolutely didn't watch that movie and he didn't understand what it was about. Speaking to Pop Matters magazine, Richard Kelly had some other defamatory things to say about S. Darko, including, I hate it when people ask me about the sequel because I had nothing to do with it. And I hate it when people try to blame me or hold me responsible for it because I had no involvement. I don't control the underlying rights to the Don Darko franchise. I had to relinquish them when I was 24 years old. I hate when people ask me about it because I've never seen it and never will. So don't ask me about the sequel. Those people are making lots of money. They're certainly making lots of money. Do you think people made lots of money off of this? I have no. a hard time believing that. <laughs> no. They made lots of internet comments probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it kind of exists in the landscape of like mid to late 2000s direct-to-video sequels that I'm a little bit obsessed with, although they're, of course, terrible. But there's something lost about this era of direct-to-video sequel that I find kind of charming and even though maybe a little bit mystical. You know, I'm talking about Urban Legend 3, I Know What You Did Last Summer 3, this movie. They're like movies that don't exist 
but it kind of do and they kind of have a are you ready for it liminal quality does that mean anything to you 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 mean the movies that time is trying to forget <laughs> yeah but like you know what i think a part of is is i never really have the the, the strong hard facts to back this up but in the late 2000s this is when the dvd boom was really reaching its end and so when the dvd market was thriving people were spitting out a million bucks two million bucks all the time for whatever property they owned because it would sell on dvd and because of that we have all of these bizarro poorly made quickly made extensions to beloved properties and even though they're all terrible i'm still kind of grateful for them because they're just like these strange little footnotes in pop culture history that i'm kind of obsessed with that and whenever i see a bad movie i feel better about whatever i'm going to do (laughs) well what's worse this or i'll always know what you did last summer this is oh, this is. Come on, no it's, all, it's all always no you did last summer. I feel like there are no winners in this one. Um... <laughs> There's no winners. Just like in Alien versus Predator, no matter who wins, we lose. <laughs> I, I I think I'll always know it's worse, but I can't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is due because that movie just like looks like you know that movie looks like you know like when you're at summer camp. And, like, you don't have real paper towel, you have brown paper towel. <laughs> yes! Like, that's what that movie is. Like, <laughs> real movies are real paper towel, and that movie was brown paper towel. No, it, it's, it's definitely the one-ply tissue at the job you don't want to be at. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. And you and I should know better than anyone else that, like, when we're making this kind of content, sometimes the creators are listening. And if you're listening, what I have you done? It. No. Really no, we love you, honey. Back into the world of S. Darko, were you surprised? Were you shocked? Were you appalled when Ed, when Mr. Ed Westwick appeared? Yeah, because I was like, is this before or after he was supposedly canceled? Even though we don't really cancel people. Definitely before. This was 2009, and I think Gossip Girl started around 2007. Oh, so yeah, nobody was talking about what he was doing then. So yeah, because it was weird. I've not seen him since Gossip Girl because why would? <laughs> he was in J. Edgar. Remember the Leonardo DiCaprio movie about J. Edgar Hoover? I didn't. I didn't know that existed. I don't really hang out with Leo. Um, he knows no, no, why. No, no, no. I don't hang out with him either. But every time we fuck, he keeps his AirPods in, and I find it really weird. Because he's an older millennial. <laughs> 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 he thinks it makes him look cool. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's for the best. I couldn't talk to men anymore, and so I just gotta go through all kinds of difficult lengths. <laughs> Yeah, so Ed Westwick, I think we said it, but we're saying it again. Chuck from Gossip Girl. Okay. Yeah, he was canceled. I'm assuming for sexual misconduct. Does that sound right? He was definitely one of the Me Too'd. Gossip Girl does not reflect him as a person. The fact that he did it in real life does reflect it as a person. Exactly. Yes. Um, yes. yes. Also, he's just not the great of an actor, so I don't know why people were like, let's make him a thing. He's not a thing. You know who kind of is a thing? No, she's not, but I want to talk about her. Devaya Chase. You um, make sense happen. Go for it. <laughs> so I'm aware. I think you're aware. So let's put you on the spot. What other horror properties is Miss Chase famous for? Do you know? Of course not. <laughs> so she plays Samara from The the Ring, the sequel. You no, not the sequel. The American remakes. Yeah, you did tell me that. I forgot again. But I don't know if she's in the 
The Ring 2. There's a chance maybe she's not. But yeah, so she plays Samara in The Ring, iconic. She also is Lilo of Lilo and Stitch fame. And most importantly, she plays S in S Darko. So <laughs> yeah, this movie's bad. What did you think of it? It was awful. Um, I <laughs> I hated this movie. I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Like, because it's one thing to watch a bad movie, but it's another thing to be like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> Did I really? I need us to acknowledge that we are the only two people to rent this movie in the last decade. Just so I don't people. know if it's true, but I would be okay if it was. It was. We rented it so people don't have to. Yeah. We are heroes. Um, so to promote this movie, the studio decided that they're going to create an unquote viral marketing campaign, which consisted of three videos uploaded to YouTube. I watched them. Don't. Who cares? So Rotten Tomatoes gave the movie a 13% based on eight, eight <laughs> only eight critic <laughs> reviews, which is really sad. There are two things I want to talk about before we skip over into the reason why we're here today. The things that I found offensive in this movie were Iraq Jack and the homophobia. Oh, okay. Chance I could get to speak, you could speak to the Iraq Jack bullshit. I, I mean, first off, it's in the name, but like, I just the friend whose name I forgot. I forgot her name again. Let me. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, um, she was just here to be canceled. She only said things that were awful and offensive, and they weren't to be like. They weren't even jokes or anything that was, like, biting or funny. It was just sort of like, I'm dropping these words. I'm dropping that word. And now I'm saying this word. And I'm just like, why is this, like, a horrible, awful categories of offensive words? Um, <laughs> but, like, Iraq Jack is definitely every stereotype that you would imagine a veteran. Um, yeah. We, don't I, like I, I, we didn't like him. I disassociated. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in my viewpoint, so what was he doing? He was like this, like, um, veteran who everyone was sort of weirded out by because he was still sort of, like, dressed in military gear, walking around town, being all spooky. And I think people assumed he was the one that burned down a church. And I really wish that they weren't referring to him as Iraq Jack. It seems really rude. There are so many choices, and this did not need to be, not need to be one of them. Um, it just didn't. Yeah. And the homophobia was rampant. We have a moment with our two lead characters, both ladies. I don't know why that makes it worse. And they turn to this nerd guy who's also a possible um, romantic interest. And one of them goes, aren't you one of them gays? To like freak him out. And he's like, oh, no. And as they're leaving, the nice one turns to him and says, I don't think you're one of the gays. And I thought, fuck all of you. I, mm, You're all the gays, actually. Listen, so. listen. <laughs> this movie, and I never want to see it again. And I'm so sorry I made you watch it today. Do you forgive me? I forgive you because I was gonna watch it eventually, anyways. But now I can blame it on you. But I still might find Amazon. I might be like, you know what this movie was? You're gonna be fine. How dare you? <laughs> no, and you can like request your money back from Uber Eats, and you're like, this was rotten. It's I not what I wanted. <laughs> This was supposed to go to my neighbor, and I ate it. So give me my money back. Listen, you only gave me half a movie. <laughs> I'm going to give you half a fist. No, that's yeah. rude. I mean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How would you feel if I got into a little bit of the main reason we're here today? Talk about a possible unproduced sequel and the future of Dooney Durko. I'm here to hear about the DD future. So... 
the most of the information that I could find are coming from quotes from Richard Kelly, who is the creator of the original film. So in 2017, Kelly was speaking with HMV, and here's what he had to say. I think there's something much bigger and more ambitious to do in that universe. It's big and expensive, and I think there's time to get what I want to make and make sure we've got the budget to do it justice and not compromise anything. Another story in this world needs resources, and, well, we need to have that in place. I need to get my next film out of the gate, and then we can go back and look at it. In a separate interview with Coming Soon, Kelly expanded, saying, Well, I'm probably not allowed to say anything more than there's been an enormous amount of work completed. I'm hopeful that we might get to explore that world in a very big and exciting way, but we'll see when that happens. But there has been a lot of work done, and a lot of work has been done. And perhaps most interestingly enough, Kelly ha had met James Cameron at the Visual Effects Society Award Show back in 2010. Reportedly, the director of Titanic and Avatar, and now Avatar The Way of Water, had seen Donnie Darko, and he'd watched it twice, and unquote, he had found it very disturbing, and he took Kelly aside to ask him some questions and basically the just was is he asked kelly james cameron asked richard kelly what happened to donnie i started explaining i started explaining it all to him kelly said and he pointed and he pointed at me and said you should keep working on that it made me think that there was something really big something epic that could be done and that's what i've been focusing on as recently as 2021, when speaking with Rolling Stone, Richard Kelly was talking about the 20th anniversary of Donnie Darko, and this is when he disclosed. There's so much information in Donnie Darko. I've been processing it for two decades. But I think really in the past five years or so since Trump was elected, I've been really digging into it and working to see what the bigger world of the film could look like. Sheree, will we ever see a legitimate sequel to Donnie Darko? I don't think so. I'm sad about it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Maybe they'll use the property on TV or something down, 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 down the line, but I don't think they should. Like when we're 60, there'll be a show on sci-fi and we'll be like, I remember Danny Darko. <laughs> um, Trey, where can you be found on the internet? You can find my personal drunk girl standigans at Miss Sheree on Twitter and Instagram. You can find a nightmare on Fear Street at Nightmare Fierce on the Twitter. Um, and you can find Blurdy Masker at Blurdy Masker on Twitter as well. Well, you heard her. Find her online. Week, everybody. And I hope you tune back in for another episode of Development Ho. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to Development Ho. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.